0: Alright, this is Jim Bennett. Are you starting? We're starting. You this have is... to
1: tell me when you're starting.
0: All right, well. You to
1: like, give me a countdown.
0: Okay, I'll give you a countdown. One, two, three. We're starting. This is Jim Bennett. I'm here with Abigail Bennett.
1: Good morning, Vietnam.
0: I'll see now, that's Am I not allowed a mo- to say that? You were I think you're allowed to say that.
1: Hello, America.
0: Well, I'm not sure how much of America's listening, but this is Jim Bennett.
1: And I'm Abigail Bennett.
0: And this is dinner table politics. We're actually sitting at our dinner table,
1: literally sitting at the dinner table as we speak.
0: As we speak, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit, I think, today about political parties mm, because
1: one of my favorite things.
0: I, I bet it is. W- w- are you a member of a political party?
1: I don't think so. I like. I registered to vote last year, and I think I had to put a. Pl- I think I put independent actually.
0: Independent. So you're not registered with any political no, party. No. Okay. Well, I'm looking at an NBC News poll here that I think is going to be the impetus for a discussion. It talks about how millennials feel about a third major political party. Ooh. Uh, and so if you were asked the question, do Republican and Democratic parties do an adequate job or is there a third party needed, what would you say?
1: I would say there is absolutely a third party needed. I think that's obvious.
0: Oh, there's our dog going nuts in the background. Uh, <laughs> he, so he probably agrees. Uh, well, according to the NBC, 26% of millennials said that the Republican and Democratic parties do an adequate job, and 71% said that a third major party is needed.
1: Ooh, dang. How many millennials did they, they interview? Well... What's, what's our what's our sample size I here? don't
0: know what the sample size here is. That's a good question. Uh, we can dig into that. Because
1: fake news, dude. you gotta, you got to watch out for, for the Internet.
0: Uh, okay. According to this... A representative sample of 1,876 adults ages 18 to 34. Titus, stop. All right, we're trying to make the sound work here, and he's running around. Do you want to start over? No, no, I think we're okay. Aren't we okay?
1: Yeah,
0: I think so. Okay, so if you're hearing wild noise in the background, that's our dog. Uh, But according to this, uh, a nationally representative sample of 1,876 adults ages 18 to 34. So the overall margin of sampling error is plus or minus 3.92 percentage points. Mm,
1: okay, that's fair. That's so,
0: fair. So that's fair. So you think we need another political party because I so from my background uh, I don't know if now I always tell the same five stories as your dad. Uh, but do you know my my party background when I first registered?
1: Have um, I told you this story, I feel like you have, but I tune out a lot of what you say to me. So you could, <laughs> you could tell, you could say it again.
0: Well, people don't realize. I mean, I grew up in a, in a house. My my grandfather was a senator. He retired when I was six years old, so I have no memory of him as a senator. Uh, my father didn't run for the senate. He was a senator, but he didn't run for the senate until I was twenty-four. Uh, so I first registered to vote at the age of eighteen when I was a freshman at the University of Southern California. And to make my parents angry, I thought it would be fun to register as a Democrat. Ooh! Yes, so I was a registered Democrat.
1: Angsty rebellion.
0: Rebellion, and uh, and I, I am ashamed of the fact that the very first person I voted for in the House of Representatives was Maxine Waters. I
1: have no idea who that
0: is. You don't know who Maxine Waters is? No. She's still there, and she's nuts. I mean, she thinks the CIA essentially created crack cocaine to kill black people. Wait, they did, oh, they did, though. Oh, did they?
1: Yes. You,
0: you, you have the That's evidence? That's on
1: record, yes. Yeah? Yes. All right. The yeah. the government propped up, like, Nicaraguan, like, they did, though.
0: Well, what does that have to do with creating crack cocaine?
1: They, they like, funneled, like, weapons and stuff into into, like, urban neighborhoods.
0: No, they didn't.
1: Yes, they did.
0: No, they didn't. I mean, well, OK, but so uh, I had no idea. I just kind of voted straight party ticket. I voted for Alan Cranston for the Senate and for Maxine Waters for the House. And I came home and I told my father that I was a registered Democrat expecting fireworks to fly. And he didn't care. He went, oh, really? Oh, that's kind of fun. That and sounds so, like Grandpa. That does sound like Grandpa. So then I went and served a mission in Scotland, uh, which is essentially a socialist country. And I decided that uh, socialism doesn 't do anybody any favors, and that turned me into a Republican hmm. so I was a Republican for most of my life, uh, but Grandpa again was the impetus for me leaving the Republican party you know when, I, when he he had his stroke three weeks before he died, and uh, all my brothers and sisters we all sort of rallied around his deathbed. And we were talking to him about everything. It was a very precious time, actually. But po- politics came up quite a bit. And my father was deeply frustrated with Donald Trump. And I told the story all over the news uh, about after he died, I was asked about the story when he, we were in the hospital. And he turned to me and he said, are there any Muslims in this hospital? And I said, i sure there are, Dad. And he said, well, I'd like to go up to every single one of them and apologize on behalf of the Republican Party for Donald Trump. Uh, did you now as a millennial, what kind of reaction do you have to that story?
1: Um, well, obviously it's a, it's an important story to me just cause he was my grandpa. And I think that's really admirable, but I think, um, just having grown up, um, I'd like to think hopefully that millennials are one of the most open-minded generations, um, And I would never want to support a party that excludes an entire religious base just based on the fact that they're Muslim. So I think that was really admirable.
0: Well, I don't think the Republican Party that I grew up with excluded an entire religious base. I think that you've seen a morphing of the Republican Party from something into something else. And I think that Donald Trump's entirely responsible for that. It's the reason why I'm now a member of the United Utah Party. And I actually ran as their first political candidate is because the party that I loved, the party that was the party of Ronald Reagan, is now the party of Donald Trump.
1: Well, I think it obviously started before Donald Trump if he got elected. Well,
0: sure. I, I, well, you, you saw a tension and you saw this with, with your grandpa. Uh, there's a tension in what they would call the party establishment. And what what defeated grandpa was the rise of the Tea Party, Mm -hmm. Grandpa at one point was considered one of the top five most conservative members of the Senate. And yet he was tossed out because it was amazing because I ran that final campaign for him. And it was amazing to me to meet people who would say, well, your father doesn't respect the Constitution. Your father's a socialist. Your father's a communist. And it was bizarre to me because my father was always... You know, you were there at when he won that award at the Hinckley Institute of Politics. Did you, did you come to that?
1: Mm, no, I think I had a chemistry test.
0: You had a chemistry test? You didn't come up to the University of Utah no, and watch him win I that award?
1: No, I wasn't there.
0: Well, he he got up there and he said, you know, I've been a Repub- loyal Republican all my life, and yet suddenly I'm the rhino. I'm the Republican in name only. And you you so even when he was in office, there were strains of the Republican Party that were at odds with each other. But the amazing thing, though, is that the ideological movement of the Tea Party uh, is not necessarily represented by Donald Trump. I don't think Donald Trump is a Tea Partier. I
1: think, you... he, I think he's whatever people want him to be, so he can have power.
0: So, you, so what is your so what was your reaction when you found out Donald Trump was going to be the Republican nominee?
1: Just the nominee, not when he actually won.
0: Yeah. Well, did you think Donald Trump had a chance of winning?
1: No, I was in I was in Intro to Poli Sci that semester. Um, and for our class, we would all get together actually and watch all of the debates and we would all sit and we watched the Republican debate and we would laugh like uproariously whenever Donald Trump would talk. Like, uh, I can't remember which one it was, but he made all these faces that are now like infamous gifts, you know, when <laughs> he's just rolling his eyes or just like almost sticking out his tongue. And we would just, everyone would burst out laughing. We thought it was just. A complete joke like no one I don't think even imagined at that point what what could happen so I think when I can't remember when we actually found out he was the nominee but we all we all obviously still thought that there was no chance there was no way that he would actually make it to the White House that was just unfathomable
0: well, it was amazing to me to talk to people during the campaign who kept saying, "Well, he has no chance of winning. You know he's not going to win. I mean, you know he's not even going to be the nominee." It was really amazing cuz in Utah, particularly, I had a lot of people saying, "Well, Mitt Romney's going to step in. Mitt Romney's going to come in and he's going to rescue the party and he's going to rescue the country." Super Mitt. Super Mitt. And it was ridiculous. It was even after a lot of the deadlines had passed for to get on the ballot, people were still saying, "Well, there's no way Donald Trump can win." And you know, even after he won the nomination, then people said, "Well, there's absolutely no way he can win the White House." And I thought, you know th- there, there's every way he can win the White House, and part of the reason is because Hillary Clinton was just so odious to so many people. I couldn't bring myself to vote for either one. Uh, did you vote for Hillary Clinton? I did not. Oh, can I ask who you voted for?
1: I voted for Gary Johnson.
0: You voted for Gary Johnson. Good for yes, you.
1: Yes,
0: Was that because I was working for Gary Johnson? Yes. Well, thank you very much. That's why I, I you know, I might have voted for Evan McMullen. He wasn't involved, but I actually got hired as a ghostwriter for for Gary Johnson, and I figured he'd, if he was paying me, I probably, the least I could do was, was vote for him.
1: That seems... That seems like an okay reason to vote for someone. Pa- payment.
0: Well, well, and it came back to bite me when I ran for Congress because people were saying, I mean, because there are a lot of things. Gary Johnson came out to Utah, and I went to his rally, and there were literally dozens of people there.
1: <laughs> literally dozens.
0: Literally dozens of people there.
1: It's like on Arrested Development. Yeah. And Tobias is talking about never nudes, and he's like, there are literally. I think he says literally dozens.
0: Literally dozens. Yeah. And uh, he got up there and he started talking and he, and, and he was saying things I agreed with. And then he said, well, let's talk about marijuana. There's no reason why you, everybody shouldn't smoke a joint to take the edge off the day. <laughs> And I thought, oh boy, that's not a message that's going to resonate. I, I have
1: neat. felt guilty since then. I've seen posts that say things like, "If you voted for a third party, that was a vote for Donald Trump," or like just just stuff like that. Where if you voted for a third party, that was a vote for the enemy, which seems messed up to me. Like it shouldn't be a vote for. I don't know. It's it's just disheartening that no. that that's what we've come to. Is it so polarized that no, I, even a third option is just? Is is wrong unless you're voting for some like one, I don't know, one ideological party.
0: Right. Well, well, and the, the, the electoral college kind of makes that. If 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 there were any question as to who was going to carry the state of Utah, I don't think I would have so cavalierly voted for a third party, Sure,
1: sure.
0: but uh, there was no reason. I mean, I, I couldn't bring myself to vote for Hillary and, and I certainly couldn't bring myself to vote for Trump. And I thought, well, I, my, my old high school civics teacher said he quoted a guy who used to run on the socialist ticket and the guy was asked, well, why should people vote for you? And he said, because it's better to vote for what you don't want and not get it than to vote for what you don't want and get it.
1: Ooh, I like that. Isn't
0: that profound?
1: That's
0: fun. Yeah. Yeah, and he this and so that's kind of how I felt as to how this is going, but I look at this poll and I look at where we are with regard to millennials, you guys are going to be running the country here at some point.
1: Mm. You're not, not me. Why not you? I hate politics. You I think that you're on a political plotting.
0: podcast. You can't say you hate politics.
1: I hate them. I can talk about them and participate in them, but I think they're horrible. And
0: now, why? Why do you think they're horrible?
1: Because I have just seen nothing. But well, I obviously thought that Grandpa was a great senator, but I just have not had any good experiences with just just everything in the news. Just seems. Just one horrible thing after another. I haven't seen one good thing um, on the news about politics that I've been like, "Oh, I'm so glad that that is what's running our country." Just everything is just depressing. It seems.
0: Has that been the case your whole life, or is that just with Donald Trump? Uh,
1: I don't. I don't think I've paid attention that much when I was younger until now. When I'm like a a member of the voting uh, population, I didn't. I didn't really have an option before. Before I was eighteen, but yeah, Donald Trump was the first election I was able to vote in, so that probably was my entryway into the world of, of voting and politics.
0: So, how did you feel on election night when, when you found election night when you found out that Donald Trump was going to be the next president of the United States?
1: Well, I have one of my really good friends and roommates. Um, I think she would call herself a, a, a Democrat. We were crying, actually. we were both crying. Um, just because i I think it was just such a shock to our systems that we we were just watching the map, watching all of the states turn blue or red, and we just kept thinking, there's no way, there's no way, there's no way. And then we just saw like every every state just get red or not every state, but and then we just watched it happen, and we were just like incredulous, almost like we couldn't believe it, and it was just so shocking and that we were we cried it was it was an emotional night, and I think I also had another chemistry test the next day, so that probably was contributing to our emotions
0: <laughs> well i we had a long running Facebook thread with my brothers and sisters, and my sisters were kind of falling apart uh but my brother and I were both up at at grandma's house and watching the returns. And the one thing that I kept thinking was the Clintons are gone. I fully expected Hillary Clinton to win, I think, as everybody else did or as a lot of people did. And I, the Clintons, to me, have just been sort of this, this blight on the political landscape for as long as I can remember. And they have been controlling that party for so long. Controlling
1: the party is strong.
0: Oh well, no. Bill Clinton is still sort of. It's really amazing to me during the Me Too movement that Bill Clinton is still, you know, still the rock star. Every time he goes to a Democratic gathering,
1: that's true. I don't think he's a rock
0: star. Well, you don't think he's a rock star, but the but his party does.
1: Uh, Not all of them, I'm sure.
0: Well, not well, not all of Republicans think that Donald Trump is a rock star either. But the fact is. Is that, you know, you have people like Al Franken who are forced to resign when Bill Clinton did things that were 10 times worse. And but
1: he's not president anymore. So he's not president anymore. Irrelevant. But,
0: but, but the, the Clintons just had a hold on the party and and they were never going away and she was going to be president of the united states and i looked at that and just thought oh great this is just what we need another 8 years of more clintons and so my first reaction even though i despised donald trump my first reaction was the clintons are gone isn't this great that the clintons are gone i don't i assume you didn't have any kind of reaction like that
1: no i don't have a long standing vendetta against well, <laughs>
0: I don't have a vendetta. I'm not going to hunt them down.
1: Well, you definitely d- don't like them. I at don't all. like them. And you I haven't like... for a long time. That's
0: true. That's true. But see, that was the bizarre thing about this election is that when you when you were disillusioned with both sides and you can't stand either side, uh, it's it's very liberating, actually. Because when I was working as a Republican, you know, I worked on a number of Republican campaigns. And when I was working for the Republicans, I felt it was my responsibility to apologize for the party or to make excuses for the party. When a Republican did something stupid, uh, it was my job to sort of say, well, at least they're not as bad as the the Democrats or this, that and the other. And when I left the party and when I actually ran with a third party, uh, it was amazing to me just how tribal political loyalties are, you know, mm-hmm. I, I'm a Republican and, and uh, that's the most important thing. And I got defend. So when I would go out and campaign, it wasn't enough just to try to convince them that I was the best person. I had to convince them to abandon their tribe and come to me. Yeah. And so when I look at a poll like this, uh, I, I don't get a sense from you or from your generation that you have that same feeling of tribal loyalty.
1: I would hope not. I think that's I think that's uh, kind of kind of hopeful and uplifting to think that we have a generation of people coming that aren't just loyal to a, a name or a word and actually can. This is I'm this is I'm sure giving giving us way too much credit, but I would hope that we can actually look at people for what they stand for and their platform and not just what party they they're representing
0: well so what is your what is your view of the of the two parties i I mean if it's okay democratic party what do you think of
1: um i would probably think i'm more democratic leaning than republican most likely
0: but do you feel a loyalty to the actual party
1: no no
0: so when democrats do something stupid you don't feel like it's your job to stand up for your guys
1: i don't have guys really
0: that's interesting so what is, your, what is your perception of the Republican Party?
1: Um, right now, I would say bad.
0: <laughs> That's very not, profound.
1: Not good.
0: Not good. No. All right, scale of one to ten. Republicans are, okay, from a scale of one to the Demo- Democratic Party is where? One
1: is bad, ten is good. One
0: is bad, ten is good.
1: Um, six?
0: Six. Okay, Republican.
1: Not counting Trump or counting Trump.
0: Well, I don't think you can not count Trump because he's the head of the Republican uh, Party. Two. Two. Yes. Okay, so they're not... Is, can you think of anything Donald Trump has done that you that you don't hate?
1: Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can think of
0: several things, actually. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I, I think that the Neil Gorsuch on the Supreme Court was a good move. You, do you have any feelings on that? Um, all right. Well, we can get into those <laughs> all the specifics as we go forward. But I think this is a pretty good intro to where both of us are. Uh, my my perspective coming from a more tribal political background and your millennial perspective.
1: Millennial.
0: Yeah, so that uh, you're looking for something new. So I think we've got a whole lot of common ground here, and I think the country has a great deal of common ground here, but it'll be fun to talk about this going forward. Super fun. All right, well, that, I think, wraps it up for this week.
1: I think that was a good dinner table discussion about...
0: Politics. Yes, indeed. All right, well, then we'll see you next week with Dinner Table Politics.
1: Stay, stay sweet, America. What was that?